I got nothing on that. I, I was trying to think of something. But, yeah. I mean, honestly, it was like a comedy of errors. You know me, I have everything timed out, and I'm like, we're going to schedule this podcast for now. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I said, Hallie, like, where's the... I just cut, you know, because I don't, I don't have a subscription online to New York Times Cooking. I only have it like the paper recipe, and I had been looking at it, and I was like, "Where'd it go?" And she goes, "Oh, it's over in our neighbor's birdcage." <laughs> Take a picture with the phone. Well, if the food tastes like crap, we'll know why. Guys, here's episode number nine of the weekly roundup, catching up on the headlines, results, and rankings from the professional and college squash game covered this week. We welcome Jahanzeeb Khan, a special guest who wears many hats, including a club owner, coach to amazing junior players, and top PSA talent, as well as being a PSA promoter for major events in Houston. We discuss the historic British Junior Open, which it's significant if Bill's talking about junior squash. Two major stories involved the U.S. teams and their commanding performance with 15 players advancing to the quarterfinals and even winning two of the 10 championships. And Team Pakistan was causing quite a stir online, with finger-pointing and disappointment being shared all around. We then discussed the men's PSA Houston Open with Mustafa Asal, who is vying for the number one spot, and it could be decided at this event. This January and February will be jam-packed with action as the PSA Tour swings through the United States and the college squash season heats up as the countdown to the national championships begin. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thanks for listening. What about this? This call is being recorded. Fans, we are back for another edition of the Roundup, catching up in the weekly headlines and results from the professional tool and the college squash game. Bill, new year, new us, 2023. Happy New Year, Connor. Your hair is looking like really, really solid in the new year, number one. That's number one. Um, good to see you again. I hope you had a great Christmas and a happy new year. Uh, I missed you. I, I missed you too. Yeah. Um, a little rough. I got, I was under the weather, so no COVID, but I, I was really down and out both with a bad back and uh, a cold. So, but I'm, You're, you are the most unhealthy 30 year old I know. <laughs> There's no question about that. So, yeah, uh, thanks, man. You, no, no problem. So it's great to be back. The, the, the squash tour is kicking off again. The college squash associations has a huge January ahead. So I may sound a little harried right now. So just know when we first touched base this afternoon about doing this, I had my day all planned out. As you know, I'm very anal about planning. things. Yes. So very yeah. anal. So, um, I am cooking, uh, you know, I like to cook. So I am cooking a pork shoulder ragu right now for the first time ever. And we were supposed to, I'm supposed to do it this afternoon. Uh, I chopped everything up, getting ready for this podcast, got all my garlic, celery, everything done. And then I realized my neighbors who have birds, I gave them all my newspapers. And in those newspapers was the um, recipe. Recipe. So I had all the ingredients chopped up. I had no idea what to do with them. So I had to go over, break into their house, in their bird cage, take the, take, literally take the recipe out from the bird cage and then um, frantically throw it all into a pot like 10 minutes before I'm just about to go on air. So just know there's a simmering pork ragu sitting in my uh, oven right now, simmering away at 300 degrees. But getting there, the process getting there was rough. So I know you, and well, maybe next like week's it. episode, we'll talk about how well it came out. Yeah, can't wait. You, well, you sound, um, you sound excited. This, this episode is, I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> well, this, uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different because we're bringing on a guest. And um, this time last year, we were actually all together. 
So, uh, Bill, let's reveal the mystery and uh, why we have this guest on today. Yes, as you know, the uh, the PSA tour has been on a bit of a hiatus for the holidays, as it, as it is uh, normally does. And now the uh, 2023 season uh, is about to kick off. And just like last year, the first event of the season is down in Houston. And it's going to be the 2023 Houston Open. And we have on the uh, owner of the Houston Squash Club, as well as the squash promoter. And some say one of the, if not the premier squash promoter in the world at this point, one of one of them for sure. We'd like to welcome on Jahan Zeb Khan, uh, live from Houston. A, a last minute, we, we, we had a brainstorm to call you at about an hour and a half ago, and you were nice enough to come on. So welcome to the show, Jahan Zeb. Uh, thank you very much, Connor and uh, Bill, for having me. Welcome. No, no problem at all. So, um, very exciting what's going down in Houston. Before we touch on uh, the Houston, before we get to the Houston Open, which is what we really want to talk about, um, the British Junior Open just finished. I don't know about you guys. I never saw more coverage of a junior tournament in my whole life than I saw about this British Junior Open. Like, everybody was talking about it on every website, every Reddit forum, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It was covered like it was a pro event, and these are, I mean, in a lot of ways, they're, they're, they're little kids playing it. So a lot of controversy, a lot of unreal squash. I, I watched a bit of it. Holy crap, these kids are good. And um, I know, Jahanzeb, you um, are very close to this event. A lot of your players, a lot of people, obviously, you know, and obviously, you're from Pakistan originally, um, were involved with this. So I just want to get your thoughts on on the British Junior Open that just took place. Yeah, you know, it was a... Uh... It was a great tournament overall, and uh, it's a great success for the U.S. Especially because this is the first time we won uh, two titles out of ten. Fifteen players qualified for the quarters, so and forty players participated out of I don't know how many. But this is first time it's uh, we very strong uh, there and did a really well performance. So it's good for the U.S. squash. It uh, it shows that we are going to the right direction and it's uh, promoting really well which is good for the future of squash of uh, U.S. Definitely. I was looking at the numbers and, uh, uh, you know, pe- people are, are dying in, in the squash community, especially this uh, like English squash community in the U.S. squash community. People are always waiting for the death of Egyptian squash. There's people are like hoping like it's someday the Egyptian squash and somebody else is going to usurp them. <laughs> I looked at it today. Six of the 10 uh, champions were Egyptian, um, which is, is ridiculous, of course. Um, and 14 of the 20 finalists were Egyptian. So uh, those of you who are uh, wishing and hoping for the demise of Egyptian squash and waiting for some other country to take them over, although great steps by the U.S. for sure. Nope. And obviously a, a uh, double English U boys U19 final. The uh, I think the death of uh, Egypt squash has been greatly exaggerated at this point because they are still a ridiculous powerhouse. So congratulations to them. But yeah, two U.S. finalists, two U.S. winners, uh, just absolutely fantastic, unheard of in, in, in the history of that tournament. You know, the girl side is very strong in, the, uh, in squash, but the boys are not that strong. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yep. I think some European uh, boys are very strong. English boys are really good. They perform really well, and they're doing the result consistently. It's not like a one-shot, So, which is uh, good. And I think a lot of uh, pros from Egypt and coaches are going to the States and different countries. So that's uh, going to hurt them. No, if not now, then maybe next uh, three, four years, you will see. I think it's, it's going to change a lot of things in, all over the world in squash. 
So uh, I just want to get your take on. So I've been obviously uh, I enjoy the salacious part of squash, the uh, the controversies, and and uh, they were abundant during this tournament. Obviously, a lot of comments on the behavior of the kids, the poor refereeing. Yada, 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 the same stuff you hear about at every junior tournament, obviously. But what I have been reading about now is the controversy around Pakistan squash and you being Pakistani. Um, there are there are people saying that Pakistan did not send their proper contingent to the British Junior Open, that they sent players who actually weren't even there to play. They sent coaches that weren't really their top coaches. And people from Pakistan were using this as more of a holiday in England. And they're getting refuted by others, people. So I don't know enough about it to even have a opinion on it and whether what's true or not. So I was wondering if you might want to, are you aware of that controversy? And if you want to shed any light on it? You know, I was the, I was watching and listening as well on the social media too, that this is what's happening. But uh, I know for the matter of fact that I don't know why the national head coach was not there with the team. And one assistant coach, the current assistant coach was there. And I was two girls were not even part of the team. They were roaming around with the contingent and Secretary of Pakistan Squash Federation, he was there. And uh, they bring, I think, total 10 players. And the staff was, I think, four or five. So, but I don't know why they didn't bring the national coach who's working uh, day and night with these boys. And one girl uh, participated first time in under 11, which is a uh, very good step from Pakistan Squash that they're sending now the girls as well. Mm-hmm. There's some very strong uh, girls also a part of this event. I don't know why. But at least they started somewhere. And uh, the result was the same. Like as uh, I think uh, it's not two years ago, Hamza won the under 15 British Junior. Mm-hmm. And this year we didn't win anything. And 13 boy finished second. Uh, he's also part of one of the families. Gosh, the family. He's also part of that. So uh, we're still looking somebody who's non-relative of the Khan's family to come up and do something big in squash. So I, I don't know if you saw the match between uh, Rowan Damming and Asha Birfan. I did. So Asha was uh, five years, five months back. He was in uh, Pakistan. He was working there with the everything, and he lost uh, in the third round. With I don't know, some of the guy who didn't even the favorite for the World Juniors, but now he played. He worked really hard in Houston. He was training very hard on his fitness, which is what Pakistani players are missing. They have a great touch, but the fitness is nowhere close to what they need to be. That's mm-hmm. why I think that's the thing with Hamza. He was two zero up in World Juniors, and then two zero down, and then came back to all, and then lost three two against Finn in the fifth. Same thing happened this time. He was up 2-1 and then lost the lack of the fitness. Asha was playing really well and he could have beaten uh, Rowan Deming in 3-love and that's what I was ex- uh, expecting. But the refereeing was terrible in that match. I don't know what that like. I did. Literally, I did. some decisions was horrible. Yeah, it was but- an interesting... It was a... It was a I, I, I'm never one to criticize referees because I know what a hard job it is. But watch if you have a chance to watch that match back, that was one of the most baffling um, 
matches I've ever watched. Some of the calls were unexplainable in a lot of ways. So I'm not sure who the referee was. I, I'm guessing it was maybe some uh, like a volunteer who maybe who wasn't a top tier ref, but whomever it was, it didn't seem like they were qualified to referee a match of that level. Is what it seemed like to me. Yeah, that's that's correct. Because uh, you know when we got the draw, so I was telling Ashav, I think out of all, this is the easiest draw you have out of when I see the other players. Because Rowan Deming is to himself that he's the best, and he failed in his junior when he lost to Jose Juan Torres, and mm-hmm. again this time when he lost yesterday against uh, uh, John O'Brien, who was nowhere in one of the favorites. And yeah. made it to the final. And but uh, he struggled on every match. Rowan Deming's match in the US and in the British Junior, he is struggling to win every single match, the semi or whatever he reached. Mm-hmm. because Hamza pulled out because he got, I think he got injured, so he didn't play for the third, fourth place match. But uh, overall, I think it's a great British Junior, and it's uh, created a really good hype. And it went well, and the deserving players won their categories. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a perfect timing for that event because there was not a lot of action going on around here in the College Squash Association. There was really no big pro events going on, so the the squash world was focused on that. And the um, having Squash TV cover the semis and the finals is always a, a, a great deal because you really get to see it as opposed to some of the fisheye cameras you see during the early rounds of streaming of junior events. So, yeah, great, great event. Uh, <laughs> I feel that those kids, the pressure those kids are under is just like, I mean— I was watching, listening to some of the crowds screaming and yelling. And the, the only thing that turned me off, and again, I'm like an old man yelling at the clouds when it comes to this because I am an old man, um, is the and I know the kids are just watching the pros do it, and they watch the pros do it, and every event is the celebrations. I mean, yeah. these kids, I mean, the celebrations were just over the top, the screaming and the dropping of the racket and the the assaulting of sports, as I call it. Um, it was just pretty. I see these, like, 11-year-old kids are like <laughs> – fist pumping around the court it was just incredible like they like they just won the lotto <laughs> it's pretty funny but it, it bugs me but in the end that's what sports are at this point there's nothing someone like me can do to change that i don't think there's any changing it quickly on the um, i know you're trying to rebuild a legacy the pakistan being the one of the great squash nations in history what do you think are the gaps right now that the pakistan squash needs to get back to the top uh i think first of all they need uh, qualified coaches. To say the qualified coaches, it means that uh, some uh, coaches who had an experience of international squash, who are consistently traveling, playing, sparring, and getting involved with the international squash, like what's going on with the training wise, and some education as well. It doesn't mean that if I'm world number 50, I can be a very good coach. It's, it's not going like that. You have to have a different mindset when you teach somebody and when you work with uh, like these uh, top-class athletes. So you have to study squash. And squash is like, you have to have an IQ of like, squash is just not like four walls. It, it has a lot of things going on. So you have, first of all, you have to have a education for that. And the, the struggling part for Pakistan is if you go back from take uh, start from Jahangir or go more back and then till now, if you find any squash player who are playing at the top, they didn't even pass the grade 9 or 10. That's really unfortunate for all of us. So 
the vision is not big they're not thinking out of the box and they what they, uh, like if i'm number 15 in the world right if i don't have education i'm not studying anything what i will teach them i will teach them what what we what i was doing 10 years ago right mm-hmm. but the scotch is right they're going to the move they're moving forward for different things so this is what pakistan is lacking and the huge part which we are lacking is there's no fitness concept there like there's no uh, heavy gym equipment there for to train them the advance and fitness training so they are struggling on that part and that's what we are losing if you see hamza again i'm i was telling for many months with the skill nobody's going to come close to him but what can we do with the skill when you don't have a leg right you need to have the fit solid fitness and the mi- mindset and the match pressure that you can handle when you go with the big, on these big stages so so that's what pakistan is missing two big things one is the qualified coaches second is the fitness part and uh, if you have a very good trainer then they don't have a nutritionist so mm-hmm. like they don't getting the right concept so when they have the right concept you will see pakistan will come back and dominate the whole squash again and is there a plan in place for that to happen not right now zero plan zero plan is, is there um i mean funding um is always a big challenge and do you think that they're getting the funding that they need uh no because again the reason is uh, pakistan squash is not running by the organized squash organization by the forces like before, right now pakistan air force is leading the squash whoever comes in they're coming in for two for two years and then they go or maybe one year or two years and then they go so they don't have a plan right that if i go the plan is in place and that plan will go forever so if i go the new person will come he will learn in three four months then again change after one year another person will come he will bring his own team four months he's he's ready to deliver then after eight months he needs to be transferred somebody else will come and run so this is a struggling part this is a struggling uh, thing going on in pakistan and i think i'm losing i'm losing my hope just to see if we can find some good talent from there but we can get players and then they get distracted lose the focus and then they're gone so this is what's happening in pakistan right unfortunately all right, so let's let's turn. Um, our, we appreciate that uh, information. We appreciate your willingness to talk about that because I know that's of major interest to the squash fans out there. It's it's a really a big subject, the, the Pakistani demise of squash, and because they do see the younger players, and they did so well at the World Juniors a couple of years ago um, that everybody was expecting the rise to continue. So interesting points. So let's move on. Uh, the Houston Open, something to make you smile. You look sad. Be talking about the Pakistani squash. We want to see you smile, Johanza. The Houston Open, uh, the 2023 version starts this Wednesday um, uh, down at your club, the Houston uh, Houston Squash Club down in uh, Houston, Texas. Um, very exciting event. I mean, the first event of the year, your draw is incredible. All the top players are going to be there. This is the third major event you've held in the last year, essentially. The first one being, as Connor said, last January, we were all together down there for the first men's event, and then you held a uh, world-class women's event in September. So this being the third event, uh, tell us what you've learned about running events at this level and uh, how you've improved each event as it goes on and on. So uh, 
you know i this event is very close to my heart and uh, so this is like yeah you as you said this is the third major event of uh, in 12 months so it's it's going great the funding is going great squash is uh, uh, growing big time when you come this time you'll see a lot of new players are there so it's going to be a lot of fun again this year a lot of things are on stake this in this event mustafa can be number 1 in the world shurbagi can come very close to number 1 spot uh mazin can reach top 6 if he if he perform well he played the final last year so he's there so it's it's a lot of things going on which is make this event very spicy and i and i like that so and and uh, everybody is very excited the members the the players uh the players who already arrived they are very happy in Houston they said this is a great event to start a year so players are flying 3 4 days before the event start which is another great thing to build up the atmosphere so overall it's a it's a huge success for Houston squash and the US squash as well because it's uh, because the US is is growing so i'm uh, i'm glad that i'm be a part of that where we can take the squash to the next level for the us so heston uh, open it's going to be very interesting uh, this year and uh, and and hopefully we are very hoping that uh, in the next year is going to be a platinum event very very nice uh, we were going to actually talk about that afterwards so um you one piece of bad news happened and, and it's a credit to you that cuz last year i remember this happened because of covid mohammed alsherbege had a drop out at the very last minute and it was kind of like oh well that sucks he was the bit you know he was a big draw and people were really looking forward to it this year uh because of knee injury ali farag had a drop out but there didn't seem to be like hey it's too bad he dropped out it it would be great to have ali there but it wasn't like the crushing blow it, it at all like it's just a credit to your event and how exciting this event's going to be that you could lose the number one player in the world and the event still keeps all of its energy and all of its juice so it's, yeah. it's that's really 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 exciting and right. to be honest with you i mean we'll miss ali being there for sure but el elinen the the yeah. upen player Yeah. I mean that's an exciting entry into the draw. I mean he could make some noise in that draw. He played very very well at the end of 2022. Yeah, and he was very hungry right now. I see if he, if I can see that like he wants to prove himself and he's playing really well. He's working very hard mm-hmm. and he heard that uh, there's a spot open and he said okay, let me let me get into it and then see what he's going to do. So, right, right. No. From the first round the matches is not like uh I did. Anybody can beat anybody in the first, even in the first round. Yep. So that makes the whole tournament is exciting and I think the tour is getting very excited as well because uh, a lot of uh, lower rank player are coming up and anyone can beat anyone uh, if the day is right for them. Uh, no, absolutely. So and this is just a question and, and Connor I know will will cringe at this question but I'll ask it anyways. Um so would you be more disapp- were you more disappointed that Ali Farag dropped out or that your what happened if your MC dropped out which would be more disappointing to you? <laughs> no comment is also acceptable. Is, is that a no comment from you Johansa? No, I no, you know what? Uh, I I need both because without you <laughs> I I cannot do it anything. <laughs> Those <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a leading question because um uh, for those of you who don't know I will be the MC down there in Houston uh, Johanzeb was yeah. nice enough to invite me down there uh, last uh, January for the first men's event and then had me back for the September event and for some reason he's invited me back for this event so um uh, I'm 
I'm thinking. I'm thinking the rest of the MC said no to him, so he's uh, yeah. He, you know, he once he got down seven down no's will do that. To seven no's. Let's get Bill involved. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, well, Go ahead, Qu- quickly going into um, yeah, I mean it's a great point, Bill, that the show how much energy is behind this event. But I think having a hunt for number one just always adds a huge yeah. dynamic to that. And you know, I-, I think all three of us kind of thought this uh, assault would become number one. It was just a matter of time. And now you know this might happen at your event, which uh, that must be really exciting because I know you also have a, a pretty uh, close relationship with Asal. We'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm working with him for the last couple of years, and uh, always nice to see how he is growing. Like with all the with all the things you know going on with him, <laughs> but how? But I I can salute him that how strong he is mentally. With all that, what is going on? With all the odds, he's just still hungry to get to the number one spot. And um, he texted me that I want I want to do this in Houston. Nice. Where I started. So I'm hoping that uh, let's see what how it goes because you cannot, uh, you know, there's a lot of good players in the draw. Mohammed Al Sharbagi is hungry as well. He is playing really well at the moment. And uh, he got fired back, so the semi will be cracker. Muhammad is playing against uh, Mazin. Mazin is uh, producing an amazing results in the last six months, beating the top players. So, so it's going to be a very, very nice event. And uh, this is the first time when Houston seeing these very top players coming in and battling for this event. What about, um, I mean, with now the... Asal potentially with the number one position in his grasp, do you think he's going to rise to the occasion? Or sometimes that can also, you know, players can crumble when that is now within reach. What's your take on that? I think he's not that kind of player who can get this uh, pressure of because he already, mostly he's achieved everything, right, in this sport, beating all of them from number one to number 10. Won the British World Junior twice and British Junior and, and then the top World Series event. But I think the pressure is gone. So he now he's at the point where he wants to enjoy. And I asked him, what do you want? You want the world champion or number one in the world? He said, I want number one in the world. That's my first priority. So he's hungry. He's ready. He's prepared. He's solid. He arrived. Uh, he was the first one who arrived hmm. on the 6th. So he's ready. So I can see, I can see his eyes that uh, he's looking forward to produce some great results in the yeah, not to put uh, the cart before the horse, as they say, but a Mohammed El Sharbagi Mustafa Asal final a week from today would have all the eyes of the squash world upon it. It would be one of the biggest matches of the year. Obviously, it would be the biggest match of this year, but one of the biggest matches in squash in recent history. So that is definitely something to look forward to. Another, uh, I know you always enjoy giving young players a chance to play in these events. And this year you have a, a wild card, Arhan Chandra. He's a the number five under nineteen boy in the country. Talk a little bit about the process of how you give out wild cards and um, how important do you think giving wild cards to your local players is. The reason behind all this is I want to grow. I want to change the mindset of the student of the U.S. that uh, there is so much more after college as well. So changing this mindset can help us to grow and bring a big sponsors in. Uh, in US. So when these kids are going to play, their parents is going to get involved. Mm-hmm. Once the parents get involved, 
then the pool is going to be bigger for the sponsors and the players and everybody, right? So that's why I said, you know, why not just start with the thing that he is going to the UVA, he's playing really well, performing good results, number five in the country in under 19, and uh, and he's working really hard, he's Estonian, so why not just start from him and to give the wildcard and see how it goes. So it uh, when I heard the news after when I gave him the wildcard, I heard that Hollis Robertson, another uh, under 19, number one, got the wildcard in TOC. Right. Is, yeah, this is the mindset is changing. So that's that's amazing. Yeah, but this is what we want. Like the Princeton, the UVA, Harvard kids graduating or studying in the college and playing PSA and pro level. So uh, Arhan played one 10k event, he fell, and then now he's playing this tournament. After even if he loses first round, he'll go to the 220 in the ranking. And then before he starts the college, the for uh, my plan for him is to so he can reach 150, 140 in the world. After that, he has four years to study in the college yep. and maintain his ranking and reach maybe 100. After that, he can have a chance to play two, three years as a pro and then see if he likes it or not. But to change the mindset, uh, we need to start from the U.S. that give wildcards to these young players so then they can perform. Yes, definitely. I, I don't. I know this didn't go into your thinking, but you do realize that match is a matchup, is my nightmare because it's Arhan Chandra against Rafael Chandra. So, I, I will bet a hundred dollars that I screw that up. Just FYI, so so keep an eye on that. That's, that's why they say general, general. <laughs> That'll be the late match on on the first night. I'll be a little tired. I'll be jet lagged, and I'll be going Rafael Chandra. I could see it already. But <laughs> um, so yeah, t- before we let you go, I just want to talk a little bit about your community down there. I mean, it's a very special squash community, um, unlike any that I had ever been involved with um, when you first had me down here last down there last January, meeting all the expats from the different countries, from Pakistan, from Egypt, from India, was just just a, an overwhelming experience. Number one, how into squash they are and how knowledgeable they are, but also how welcome they are to outsiders such as me, but and how they just love the sport and love the community at your club that you've developed. Uh, so just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I think the community is, uh, this is, why for me, one of the best in the world. Because uh, they're thinking beyond the results, like beyond, you know, the kids, my kid win, your kid win, mm. they, anybody, they just want to grow the sport, right? So they're there to enjoy whatever the time they have, they bring their kids. It's just a different culture, right? It's like, a, I can see it as like a picnic sport. It's my squash club is like a picnic sport for them. Sometimes it looks like a vacation for them. Like they come in the morning, they leave the evening, they're having dating in the club. And the, the ladies playing, they have ladies group, the kids are playing with them, and then there's some kids are studying. So it's, everything is there. So And it's not like one day, it's every day, every night is just like that. Right. So that's what I, I like about this community. Even uh, when I go, it's not for me just to work like four to five or four to seven, I have to teach lesson and I'll go. No, I, I, was, I love to be there for five, six hours. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of uh, the, the, the people go there and they treat it like a vacation and hang out, I think the reason behind that is, and there are a lot of nice clubs in, this, in the United States. There's the university clubs, the racket club in tennis that have full dining facilities and top quality chefs. I think it's fair to say you have the best food of any squash club in the country. 
I mean, that woman, that woman who you have making food at your club is amazing. She makes everything from scratch. It is, I mean, I tell people about it every time I come back from there. I say, Houston is a great food city, and there are some great restaurants in Houston. But honestly, one of the best restaurants in Houston is at your squash club. Very true. Because to host you again. It's what I'm looking forward to the most. That is for absolutely sure. All right, excellent. Can you quickly talk on, um, so uh, the numbers. So you have a 10-court facility. And how many members uh, or players are you up to now? So right now we have 250 families, and then I think close to three, four hundred people are playing. Ten courts. We are trying. We are just like full. We packed all the time. Now we are trying to add uh, two more courts and moving the gym to the next door because uh, I think right now uh, my club needs more squash courts because the community is growing. And whoever joined my club, they're just joining for squash. So if family of four is joining, all four are playing this sport. Wow. So, so that's why so it's like a struggling part right now, juggling with the courts. But uh, I'm hoping that uh, we can get the next door space. So then our fitness program is going to be bigger because we just got Zach Brooks from Florida. And he was training Amanda Sobi and Diego Elias and the, all the top athletes he was training there. And he is the best, I think, by far uh, for squash. And he's working really hard with the juniors here. So he's growing. And for me to give him more space, it's uh, now necessary there to grow the gym part and adding more courts. How many courts do you think you would want to try and build? So uh, lastly, before we let you go... Um, You've held now after this week. It'll be the third major event you've held in a year. You did briefly touch on it. Your goal is to host a platinum event. Talk about your aspirations as a promoter in hosting events down in Houston. Uh, you know, it's always nice to um, entertain all of all the levels, right? So my goal is first right now just finishing this tournament. And then after that, we have uh, three 10K lined up. Uh, one for women, two for men. And then we have a big JCT coming up next month uh, where 288 top kids are coming to play in that tournament. And then I just finished, yesterday I finished my bronze tournament where 43 kids, the brand new kids signed up and they played. So in September again, we are hosting a women $100,000 tournament. And then after that next year in January or February, we are adding both together, men and women. And then those, that tournament hopefully will be the platinum. Wow! So right, not 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 far down the road at all. So it, that is an incredible testament to your tenacity and growing the sport of squash in an area that is not known for squash. So congratulations on that, Jahanzeb. Great to have you on. And uh, I'm sorry I can't be there this year, but uh, uh, to taste the food and to see the event. But uh, look, so so great that you're putting it on. Thanks, Jahanzeb. We look forward to you. I'll see you in a couple days. I'll look forward to it. And uh, we look forward to the tournament and look forward to more great things from you down in Houston. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. All right, Connor. Uh, great to have Jahanzeb on. Uh, what he's doing down in Houston is just incredible. He was nice enough to invite me down there um, last year, and uh, I look forward to it every year now. And I, I wasn't joking at all about the quality of food at uh, at the club, it, that the woman. Oh, and I, I 
Yeah, just absolutely yeah, delicious. And Houston's such a great city. It's so underrated. Um, it, it, it is so big and spread out, um, but uh, it, it is a, a great community and um, something that I look forward to every year. So that would be great. Um, while it's going on, um, we also have a women's PSA event, the Women's PSA Tour, um, uh, Women's Tour back on again. Um, another a, a classic event, kind of the opposite of Houston, which is now an upstart event that uh, is, is, you know, making inroads into the PSA is the uh, the Y Miller Open uh, at the Heights Casino, which has been going on uh, for a long time. And uh, this year, again, uh, just a great field. I know a lot of the players, the women players, call this their favorite event because they get uh, billeted. Uh, it's a great community down there. As you know, the Brooklyn Heights area is really cool, um, very walkable to the to the Heights Casino, and the players get to uh, get billeted in these probably these houses that they <laughs> a lot of them have never seen houses such as this before. Because I know when I go into some of those brownstones down on down in Brooklyn Heights, I'm like, holy yeah. crap! I can't believe these people have these places in New York City. So so just just a great event. And in the field, it's great to have uh, Georgina Kennedy. She right. Uh, back in the mix so uh, yeah hopefully she participated in an exhibition there's an exhibition going on it's like a, it's run. not a not it's a non-psa event but drew pretty good uh pretty well in wales going on with men and women and she just beat joelle king actually in in that event so hopefully that's a harbinger of things to come so she's the yeah. um uh, she's she's the number uh, two seed there. Um, Olivia Fichter, U.S.'s own Olivia Fichter, is the number one seed. Uh, Sabrina Sobey's in there, so it looks like a um, if if the seeds hold, because you know Olivia looks like she has a pretty clear path to the semis where she would meet Salma Hani. Uh, never an easy out, and Salma always plays well in New York. She does well at the TOC. Um, something about the city gives Salma a little a little nudge, and um, then we would have at the other semi, the bottom semi would be Gina Kennedy uh, with a rematch of uh, with Sabrina Sobey, uh, who beat her. Uh, Sabrina beat her the last time out right before she uh, she she pulled out of the tour. So um, a, a really solid event leading into the TOC for the women. Yeah. Well, this is always a fun part of the season. It's the thick of it. It's the U.S. swing going on um, with the PSA in January and February. But the other big action that's going on is this is the big swing for college squash. Yeah, the, the College Squash Association, slumber, the slumber of the College Squash Association has ended, and now the big bears of... Uh, of the of the CSA awake and and start hammering on each other as as opposed to beating up on the on the uh, sisters of the poor, if you will. Yeah, so not that many matches have taken place just yet, but uh, we're gonna be covering it uh, as as they happen. Yes, couple weeks. So the big one, uh, obviously, the one that everybody's gonna have their eye on. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it falls um, at the same time as um, as the TOC. So uh, their big upcoming match is um, Harvard. It's uh, actually it's it's yeah it's it's I'm sorry not the COC. It falls at the same time as the final of the Houston Open. So when if we have Mohamed El Shabagi playing Mo, Mustafa at Saul, and I believe that would be at um, uh, one o'clock Central Time, so uh, two o'clock Eastern Time. At the same time at Harvard, Trinity College is going to be playing Harvard University. Looking to stop Harvard's uh, Harvard's streak um, of of uh, CSA wins. Currently, Trinity is number one in the uh, in the country, and Harvard number two. So I think that will be the true battle to see who uh, on who the women's side. Supreme, on the women's side see who reigns supreme. So that's coming up a week from today. So um, there, there's there's quite a January ahead for for both the CSA men and the women on the men's side. The obviously the marquee match that everyone is looking forward to is going to be the um, the U Penn Harvard matchup, um, you know Gilly Lane taking uh, uh, 
his uh, his UPenn Quakers in a rematch of last year's just ridiculous cracker final. And that happens on <laughs> during TOC week. So again, um, college squash fighting uh, up against marquee events on the PSA Tour. But on Sunday, January 22nd, up at, uh, up at the Merce Center, we have... Uh, 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 UPenn playing Harvard. So yeah, exciting things. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a great month. Um, we have the Houston open, we have the Weimuller and then it, uh, the TOC back in its normal January slot at grand central the following week. And then, uh, just a married of a, a plethora of college squash, just, just battles of the behemoths. A lot of exciting stuff coming up. Well, great. Uh, glad we got this one in and, um, we'll see you next time. This means we're done, Connor. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go check on my ragu. Thanks for listening to another show on SQR Squash Radio. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And we have a quick ask. In an effort to help us grow, if you have a quick minute, please consider sharing an episode with a friend who might be interested or leaving a rating on any of the platforms you listen to your podcast. It would mean a lot to me and the rest of the team. Thanks so much and have a great day.